Thank you, Karen. And Charlotte, and thank all of you. On behalf of President Donald Trump, my wife Karen, our daughter Charlotte, I'd like to welcome you all to Washington, D.C. for the 44th Annual March for Life. It's a good day. And it's the best day I've ever seen for the March of Life in more ways than one. I'm deeply humbled to stand before you today, deeply humbled to be the first Vice President of the United States to ever have the privilege to attend this historic gathering. More than 240 years ago, our founders wrote words that have echoed through the ages. They declared these truths to be self-evident, that we are, all of us, endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Forty-four years ago, our Supreme Court turned away from the first of these timeless ideals. But today, three generations hence, because of all of you and the many thousands who stand with us in marches like this all across the nation, life is winning again in America. That is evident in the election of pro-life majorities in the Congress of the United States of America. But it is no more evident in any way than in the historic election of a president who stands for a stronger America, a more prosperous America, and a president who I proudly say stands for the right to life, President Donald Trump. <laughs> president Trump actually asked me to be here with you today. He asked me to thank you for your support for your stand for life and for your compassion for the women and children of America. One week ago today, on the steps of the Capitol, we saw the inauguration of the 45th President of the United States. And I can tell you firsthand, our president is a man with broad shoulders and a big heart. His vision, his energy, his optimism are boundless, and I know he will make America great again. From his first day in office, he's been keeping his promises to the American people. I like to say over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, 
We're in the promise-keeping business. That's why on Monday, President Trump reinstated the Mexico City policy to prevent foreign aid from funding organizations that promote or perform abortions worldwide. That's why this administration will work with the Congress to end taxpayer funding of abortion and abortion providers. And we will devote those resources to health care services for women across America. And that's why next week, President Donald Trump will announce a Supreme Court nominee who will uphold the God-given liberties enshrined in our Constitution in the tradition of the late and great Justice Antonin Scalia. You know, life is winning in America. And today is a celebration of that progress, the progress that we've made in this cause. You know, I've long believed that a society can be judged by how we care for our most vulnerable, the aged, the infirm, the disabled, and the unborn. We've come to a historic moment in the cause of life, and we must meet this moment with respect and compassion for every American. Life is winning in America for many reasons. Life is winning through the steady advance of science that illuminates when life begins more and more every day. Life is winning through the generosity of millions of adoptive families who open their hearts and homes to children in need. Life is winning through the compassion of caregivers and volunteers at crisis pregnancy centers and faith-based organizations who minister to women in the cities and towns across this country. And life is winning through the quiet councils between mothers and daughters, grandmothers and granddaughters, between friends across the kitchen table and over coffee at college campuses. The truth is being told. Compassion is overcoming convenience, and hope is defeating despair. In a word, Life is winning in America because of all of you. So I urge you to press on. But as it is written, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let this movement be known for love, not anger. Let this movement be known for compassion, not confrontation. When it comes to matters of the heart, there is nothing stronger than gentleness. I believe we will continue to win the hearts and minds of the rising generation if our hearts first break for young mothers and their unborn children.
and if we, each of us, do all we can to meet them where they are with generosity, not judgment. To heal our land and restore a culture of lice, we must continue to be a movement that embraces all, cares for all, and shows respect for the dignity and worth of every person. Enshrined on the walls of the Jefferson Memorial are the words of our third president, who admonished us so long ago to remember that God who gave us life, gave us liberty. On behalf of the President of the United States and my little family, we thank you for your stand for life. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your love for the women and children of America. And be assured, be assured, along with you, we will not grow weary. We will not rest until we restore a culture of life in America for ourselves and our posterity. Thank you, and God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. Please join me in welcoming to the stage, Eric Metaxas. Live from D.C., it's the March for Life! <laughs> Praise God! Jesus is Lord. ABC News, are you covering that? ABC News, are you covering this? see the women of America? Here they are. This is the inclusive march, where as long as you are alive and a human being, you are welcome at this march. I think we've all heard of fake news, right? Well, here's an announcement. You can tweet this out. Roe v. Wade is fake law. In the words of Reagan, to paraphrase the great pro-life president, let me say to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Justice Roberts, tear down this law! Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, abortion is murder. He also said, we have to have compassion on those who have been driven to make this tragic choice. We are all sinners. We all need the forgiveness of the God of the Bible. And we pray that this message of love and forgiveness would get out to the women of America, that the God of the Bible and everyone who follows him loves those women who have made this tragic choice and wants to extend the love of Jesus to those women. ABC News, are you covering this? The media in America has not told the other side of the story, that women have 
been the victims of abortion and that abortion hurts women. Will ABC News cover the fact that many women are bullied into making this choice by men in their lives? It is not their choice. If they had a real choice, they would never make this choice. And also I have a question. If the DNA of the baby in the womb is different than the DNA of the mother, how can it be the mother's body we're talking about? Here's something else for Twitter. Roe v. Wade is anti-science. The science today, more and more and more and more, and it's why there are so many young people here, says that that is a person in the womb. We need to get real and stop pretending it is anything but that. Um. Now, I have a final statement. I want to say this. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have not thought a lot about blowing up Madonna's house. And the reason I have not thought a lot about blowing up Madonna's house is because the Lord I follow commands me to love my enemies. Because I and many of us here are Jesus freaks. We obey the Lord of life. And when Jesus told us to pray for our enemies, we're crazy. We do it. And I'd like you to join me right now in praying for Madonna. Madonna, Jesus loves you. And we're going to pray that his love be revealed to you and everybody that was at the Women's March. Let us pray for Madonna right now. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we lift up your daughter, Madonna. We ask you, Lord, to show her your love. Show her that you love her, that you are with her, and that you want her to know you personally. We pray for Katie Couric. We pray for all the women that are, were at that march, that they would know you love them, and that we here love them. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. That was Eric Metaxas. He was preceded by Vice President Mike Pence, both speaking at the March for Life last Friday in Washington, D.C. Hundreds of thousands of individuals showed up to march for life and take a stand for the unborn. Those were two of my favorite speeches. Metaxas, I thought, was especially uh, good the way that he... It just invoked Jesus from beginning to end and even led the entire March for Life in prayer for Madonna and Katie Couric and all the other women that participated in the Women's March or may not have been uh, pro-life or thinking in the way that we might think as Christians. I, I just thought it was a, a really a great, great moment with Metaxas. And so I wanted to play those for you. Not sure if you were able to catch them live or not. Uh, this is The Fertile Show. I'm Crystal Heath. I know we had a, that was an extended beginning, but I thought we really needed to 
to do that and to review those from last week, especially if you had missed them live. I know some parts of the vice president's speech have been played elsewhere, but Metaxas's is very uh, difficult to find. In fact, I think you can only watch it on Periscope right now. No one has. It's not even on YouTube. So I did want to bring that to you. We're going to take a break real quick because I'm, I'm completely changing topics and I don't want to get into it in the same segment as this. But uh, all weekend long... Uh, you've probably been hearing and reading and seeing things about a tr- President Trump banned all Muslims from entering the country. Well, no, he, he didn't do that. Uh, so we're going to look in depth at what he, in fact, did do with that executive order that he signed and, uh, and what it means and what it doesn't mean. So don't, don't go away. We're going to get into all of this here. We're going to take a quick back, quick break rather we'll be back in just a minute this is 101.1 fm experience liberty radio in las vegas all right we're back that was the piano guys with beethoven's fifth symphony really really enjoy the piano guys they in fact performed at uh, president trump's inauguration all right i want to dive right in here to the big story of this past weekend and that is that President Trump signed an executive order and it has banned all Muslims from being entered to being able to enter the United States and this is a, a violation of the First Amendment and oh these uh, oh, religious preferences and oh, 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 oh. no not so these things are simply not true most of what the media is telling you about this situation is quite frankly not correct. And before I get into all of this and what this this executive order does in fact say, let me just point something out to you. President Obama, he banned Iraqis from entering the United States for six months during his administration. Okay? And, here's a fun fact for you. There are 16 countries in the world... 16, Algeria, Bangladesh, Brunei, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Lebanon, Libya, Malaysia, Oman, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Syria, the United UAE, and Yemen. These 16 countries do not allow Israelis to enter their countries at any time for any reason whatsoever. Now, a few of them will let you travel through if you're on a plane and you just happen to be, you know, your, your plane's touches down there, you may sit in the airport and get back on a plane and get out, but you may not enter their country at any time. Not because of terror threats or suspicions or anything like that, but simply because of hate. Because these 16 countries legitimately hate Israel, so therefore you may just not enter at any time. And by the way, many of these same countries are are the places where uh, women are not allowed to drive or to go to school or to get a job or to vote or to leave home without a male relative, things like that. So, if we wanted to be outraged about some country's immigration laws or human rights laws, those might be some good ones to start with. But, since, since we're here in the United States, and since I have made it a point, and I have said repeatedly that I will do my utmost to cover this president and his administration, as we did with the last president and his administration fairly, let's do that. Okay, let's do that. Now, first of all, I do want to say this. There have been stories of individual th- individuals with green cards who have already been vetted, who have already passed the vetting process. There was, for instance, a grandmother who was literally flying into the United States. The executive order was signed while she was in the air. She'd already been vetted. She was already given permission to come into the country. And when she landed, 
she was no longer permitted because the executive order had been signed while she was in the air. Now, I think that that and situations like that where people have already been vetted, they've already gone through the proper channels, they've already received the proper paperwork, I think it is highly unfortunate that the Trump administration in the execution of this executive order did not find a way to permit those individuals that had already gone through the system that were already on their way here. I, that, that, I think, was a failure on their part. I think that that should have been handled differently. I don't think that it's right that people that already were vetted, that already got the paperwork that was required, that they were turned away. Um, and, you know, these people... <laughs> I'm guessing Grandma doesn't have a whole lot of money. You know, when she's coming to visit her family, she's been vetted. She, we've given her what she needs to come into the country. I personally think that, uh, you know, Bush's mantra of compassionate conservatism would be a better uh, a better way to go in instances like that. Okay? So I want to put that, that out there on the green cards and such. Now, that said... Um, President Trump can legally prevent those with green cards that have left the country from re-entering the country. Okay, it's the Immigration and Nationality Act, uh, and it gives the president uh, power by proclamation uh, and for such period as he shall deem necessary to suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants. So because of that, or with that law, the president has the authority, legally, to block any non-citizen, that includes refugees, green card holders, and foreign students, from entering the country. So if they're, they're already gone, he doesn't have to let them back in. Also, when it comes to deportation, there's no difference between a green card holder or a holder of a non-immigrant visa. No foreign national who has not yet obtained citizenship has an affirmative right, by law, to re-enter the country. All right, so I say that because there's been a lot of reaction to this executive order, and I've seen even many conservatives that are, are freaking out uh, because of instances like with this grandmother. And I have to say that personally, I, even as a conservative, I think that that situation and situations like that could have been and perhaps should have been handled differently. All right? But overall, this law, or executive order rather, in and of itself, is not a ban on Muslims immigrating to the country. Not in any way, shape, or form. Okay, so the, the larger collective freakout is that Donald Trump has banned Muslims. No, he has not. Okay? Dan McLaughlin had a piece in National Review Online that says the anger at Trump's new policy is seriously misplaced. Right now, these are the details that you need to know. Actually, I want to start at a different piece. Conservative Review has a great piece up uh, called Separating Fact from Sickening Media Fiction on Trump's Immigration Executive Order. All right, so here's what the order actually does. And this is information that I'm getting from conservativereview.com, great site. What the order actually does. Among other things, the key provisions at the center of the existing controversy are as follows. This executive order shuts off the issuance of all new immigrant and non-immigrant visas, get this now, for 30 days 
from seven volatile countries. Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. That's it. This is not a ban on Muslims or a ban on all Muslim countries. This is a 30-day stay of issuance from immigrant and non-immigrant visas. (coughs) So all visas from Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. So essentially what that means is they won't be able to board a direct flight to the United States. Now, after 90 days, the Secretary of State and Secretary of Homeland Security must submit a report to completely revamp the vetting process going forward. This is not something that is is long-term. This is not something that affects all Muslims or all Muslim countries, right? Within the next 60 days, countries will have to submit any information that the administration determines necessary pursuant to the findings of the report in order to educate a visa application and ensure that future immigrants and non-immigrants are properly vetted. Any country that fails to submit this information will not be able to send foreign nationals to our country. All right, that is not... <laughs> that's not asking too much. Okay? What we're saying is we're saying, hey, those of you in countries that are, you know, kind of having some serious issues right now, and oh, by the way, there seems to be a lot of terrorists being bred in your countries, if you will. Syria, Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and Yemen. Again, that's, those are the countries that have a 30-day ban, and they have 60 days to submit whatever information the State Department and Secretary of Homeland Security determined necessary to be able to enhance and more properly vet people coming into our country. Now, that's one part of the executive order. The other part is this. The entire refugee resettlement program has been suspended for four months pending a complete investigation of the program and a plan to restructure it and prioritize those who are truly in danger of religious persecution. After 120 days, the program may resume, but only for those countries Secretaries Kelly and Tillerson determined do not pose a threat to the United States. The program from Syria is completely suspended until the president personally gives the green light. With regards to refugees and those who seek to enter from the seven countries temporarily excluded, the order gave discretion to the State Department and Department of Homeland Security to admit individuals on a case-by-case basis for important reasons even during the temporary moratorium. Okay, you probably haven't heard that anywhere. But we are not keeping all refugees, including Syrian refugees, out of the country. What we are saying is in the next four months... We have to seriously uh, look at what we're doing and make it better. And oh, by the way, if U.S. immigration officials determine on a case-by-case basis that yes, this family is in danger, this family needs to be admitted, there is no other option for them, they can still come in despite this order. And and no one... (laughs) No one is talking about this. Again, it's not a ban on Muslim immigration. It's, it's a moratorium on immigration or re-entries from seven individual countries and a temporary moratorium on refugees from all countries subject to case-by-case exceptions. Okay? All right, so what's going on with the airports? Why is there all this craziness and confusion? Again, this is from Conservative Review. Moving forward... 
the, the Homeland Security agents in these airports will not be allowed to, to uh, permit individual aliens from those seven countries I mentioned earlier to board a flight to the United States. So, this chaos that you're seeing right now is going to be over very soon because soon they won't be able to get here. The problem happened because we had a hundred or so individuals that were already in transit when the order took effect. So when they arrived at American airports, they were detained at customs because standing behind the customs, it's, you're not yet technically on American soil. Right? So they're all, they, they, this is the part that I was already talking about. These are people that have already gone through the process. They've already received their paperwork. This is what I think should have been handled better. And if we didn't have these 100 individuals just sitting in our airports, then I don't think that you would be seeing the protests and the, uh, the activities that you have going on right now. All right, but then a federal judge in New York issued a stay on the executive order and prevented the feds from sending the two, uh, from sending two individuals back onto a flight. Other judges have prevented officials from even detaining such persons. It's unclear if federal agents might have made a mistake and released some of these individuals before ordering them to leave the country. Once they are released onto American soil, any effort to remove them is treated as deportation, not an exclusion, and is subject to the due process afforded them by congressional statutes. So... Why it's confusing is because some of these judges don't respect American sovereignty and have been chipping away at the plenary power of Congress or the president and his statutes to exclude aliens from re-entering the country despite years of settled, settled law. All right. So, let's review. President Trump has ordered a temporary 120-day halt to admitting refugees from seven countries all of which are war-torn states with majority Muslim populations. Iraq, Iran, Syria, Yemen, Sudan, Libya, and Somalia. And he said, once we have figured out how to properly screen these refugees, then we want to have further refugee admissions from these countries and give priority to Christian refugees. So, Let's put this into context. Now we're going to go back to the National Review piece by Dan McLaughlin. All right? This is what Trump said. Because he was asked whether he would prioritize persecuted Christians in the Middle East for admission. He said yes. He said this. He said, they have been horribly treated. Do you know if you were a Christian in Syria, it was impossible, at least very tough, to get into the United States? If you were a Muslim, you could come in. But if you were a Christian, it was almost impossible. And the reason that was so unfair, everybody was persecuted in all fairness, but they were chopping off the heads of everybody, but more so the Christians. And it was very, very unfair. So we are going to help them. Now, the president isn't making this up. Obama administration policy effectively discriminated against persecuted religious minority Christians from Syria, even while explicitly admitting that ISIS was pursuing a policy of genocide against Syrian Christians. And the response to that from most of Trump's liberal critics has been silence. The United States has accepted 10,801 Syrian refugees, of whom 56 are Christian. Not 56%, 56 total out of 10,801. That is to say, one half of 1%. The BBC says that 10% of all Syrians are Christians, which would mean 2.2 million Christians. Experts say one reason for the lack of Christians in the makeup of the refugees is the makeup of the camps. Christians in the main United Nations refugee camp in Jordan are subject to persecution, they say, and so they flee the camps, meaning they are not included in the refugees referred to the U.S. by the U.N. 
The Christians don't reside in those camps because it is too dangerous, said Nina Shea, director of the Hudson Institute's Center for Religious Freedom. They are preyed upon by other residents from the Sunni community, and there is infiltration by ISIS and criminal gangs. They are raped, abducted into slavery, and they are abducted for ransom. It is extremely dangerous. There is not a single Christian in the Jordanian camp for Syrian refugees, she said. Wow. On the whole, 2016 was the first time in a decade when the United States let in more Muslims than Christian refugees, 38,901 overall, 75% of them from Syria, Somalia, and Iraq, all countries on Trump's list, and all countries in which the United States has been actively engaged in drone strikes or ground combat over the past year. Obama had been planning to dramatically expand that number to 110,000 in 2017, only after he was safely out of office. Interesting. Interesting. But perhaps the most ridiculous thing about this whole incident is those that say there might be something unconstitutional about refusing entry to refugees or discriminating among them uh, on religious or other basis. There are plenty of moral and political arguments on these points, but foreigners have no right under our Constitution to demand entry to the United States or to challenge any reason we might have to refuse them entry, even if that is blatant religious discrimination. Under Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, Congress's powers in this area are plenary, and the President's powers are as broad as the Congress chooses to give him. If liberals are baffled as to why even the invocation of the historically problematic America First slogan by Trump is popular with almost two-thirds of the American public, they should look no further than people arguing that foreigners should be treated by the law as if they were American citizens with all the rights and protections we give Americans. Hmm. So, let us review once more before we go to another break. Are you ready? I hope you're ready for this. Trump's immigration executive order does exactly this. It is a 120-day halt to admitting refugees from seven countries, all of which are war-torn states with majority Muslim populations. Iraq, Iran, Syria, Yemen, Sudan, Libya, and Somalia. No other countries are affected by this executive order whatsoever. This is not in any way a ban on all Muslims or even all Muslim countries. That simply is false. Again, do I personally think that we should have handled things differently for the hundred that were stuck in airports, for the individuals that were already here, that had already been vetted in the process that we had prior to this executive order? Yes, I think we should have had some sort of exception in place for them. Yes, I think that was a mistake. But the executive order itself is perfectly legal. Even what happened with those hundred individuals, perfectly legal. This is not religious discrimination. This is putting a temporary halt on immigration until we improve our processes so that we can bring in those that legitimately need our help. Is President Trump going to prioritize Christian refugees? Yes, he is. Why is he going to prioritize Christian refugees? Because they're the ones that are being killed the most. And, oh, by the way, we admitted 10,801 Syrian refugees under President Obama, and 56 of them were Christians. Not 56%, once again, 56 total. One half of 1% of the refugees that we have admitted from Syria thus far have been Christian. So we are not... We're not doing something that we shouldn't do. We're doing something that we should have been doing. Because it is the Christians and the Yazidis and those that 
are not Muslim who are receiving the greatest persecution in these countries, and they are they're the, 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 the lowest group that we're admitting currently. So Trump is saying, hey, guess what? They really need our help. Yes, we should give them some priority. And oh, by the way, President Obama's administration did the exact same thing except in reverse. It discriminated against Christians in favor of Muslims. So if you didn't have a problem with Obama's version of it, then you shouldn't have a problem with Trump's version of it. And quite frankly, you shouldn't have a problem with Trump's version of it, period, because Christians and those who are not Muslim or not the particular brand of Muslim that happens to be in charge at the time are the ones most in danger and most needing our help. So the next time one of your friends tells you that Donald Trump has banned all Muslims from entering the country, remind them that that is not, in fact, correct. What we in fa- actually have is a temporary stay on visas and immigration from seven countries until our system is improved. And those seven countries just happen to be Iraq, Iran, Syria, Yemen, Sudan, Libya, and Somalia. If you are from any other country, Muslim or not, or any faith, Muslim or not, that is not from one of those seven countries, this executive order does not affect you. And those are the facts. And it's been, oh, I have been sitting on this all weekend and it has been driving me crazy to look at what people are putting out there as fact when it is complete and total fiction. Trump has not banned all Muslims from entering the United States. He has, however... It is true that he's going to prioritize Christians, and in my personal opinion, he should. Because those are the ones most needing our help, and those are the people that we have helped the least under the previous administration. And as Paul Harvey would say, now you know the rest of the story. Now, do I think the executive order is perfect? No, not by any means. But I think we have to be able to take a step back from our own personal political ideology and look at the facts of what is actually going on so that we can reach an informed and accurate conclusion. This is The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. When we come back, we're going to take a short break right here. When we come back, though, I have some friends that have stopped by the studio, and uh, I want you to be able to talk with them. Well, you, you can't actually talk back, but I want to. we'll have a fun little conversation with them to wrap things up for this Monday morning, so don't go away. We have some very special guests in the radio studio today. Lincoln is here and Trey and Cherish. Lincoln, how are you today? I'm Lincoln as I book. You're Lincoln and you what? I'm, I just, just, I just lost my blanket at Grandma's house. You just lost your blanket at Grandma's house. Yeah. Do you think you might find it soon? Yeah. Yeah? What does your blanket look like in case anyone out there sees it? Because I just do this. Yeah, you're talking, talking to the microphone. Because I just do this. It's white. Is it white? No. No. <laughs> yeah, do you know what color white. it is? Is it white and gray, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like? Yeah. Would you like people to bring it back if they find it? Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Would you like to tell us about your favorite Bible story, Lincoln? Yeah. What's your favorite Bible story, Lincoln? Mine, Dad. Joan. Jonah. Jonah? No, no. No? J.D. and Luke. Oh, are they your favorite friends? Yeah. Oh, do you like playing with them? Yeah. Do you want to say hi to J.D. and Luke on the radio? Hello, Luke and, and Don David. Oh, very nice. Cherish, yeah. 
How are you today, Cherish? Good. You're good. What uh what are you what are your plans for today? I don't have any plans, but after we are at church, we're going to the park. Ooh. To play. Do you know what park you're going to? No. Like a park. We don't know which park we're going to, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And what is it that you like best about parks? Is it the swings or the grass? Um well, grass is, al- I'm allergic of grass. Oh, dear. It makes me get itchy when I roll around it. But if I have my shoes on, it makes me all, you know, like, it doesn't get my, f- it doesn't make me all itchy. Oh, well, that's good. Then you should leave your shoes on when you're in the grass, uh-huh. So what do you like about the park? You have to leave the shoes on because of the grass, but what are some things about the park that you like? Um, so it's the slides and more like the monkey bars. Ooh, the monkey bars. Can you go all the way across them? Yes. Very cool. Is there anything else that you would like to say while we have you on the radio before I get Trey on here? No, thanks. All right, you have a good day, Cherish. And last but certainly not least, we have Mr. Trey Berkey, who just got his hair cut. How are you, Trey? Good. Good. Awesome. Awesome. How is your day going? Very good. What What have you been doing today? We have been playing in the park, which my sister said we weren't going to a park because we had all busy things to do, so we were playing in the church back park. Oh, in the park back here. I see. I see. And are you going to a park later today, perhaps? Um, maybe if we have time. Okay. Now, Trey, I've been thinking about this this week. Can you tell me, if I want to go out to eat food somewhere, where should I go? Where are some of your favorite places to go out to eat food? Um, uh, Outback Steakhouse. Outback Steakhouse, yes. And what is it that Outback Steakhouse does good? What do they make? Ribs. Ooh, ribs. Are you a big ribs fan? Um, I haven't tasted them yet, but I just um, saw my friend that they, he got some, so then I was like, what? That's not fair. <laughs> now, did you know there's a Bible story that talks about somebody's ribs? Um, no. Nope. Do you want me to give you a clue? Cherish, do you know? What is it? Um, oh, you're thinking very hard. It has to do with a garden. And yes. garden, um, Adam and Eve. Yes, Adam and Eve. Now, what? Where is the story? Where is the rib in the story of Adam and Eve? When, um, whenever he um get, whenever he, God gets his rib to make the woman. There you go. So God takes one of Adam's ribs, right, Cherish? And what does he do with it? He, he puts makes, a, he rub- makes a woman. He makes a woman. He makes a woman. Yes, Lincoln, you've returned. Is there something you'd like to say? Can you have an M&M from where? Do I have M&M's? Once we go to a break, I'll see if I've got M&M's for you. Oh, you want to play with my squishy M&M? Yes, you can play with that guy. (laughs) All right, Trey, so where were we? Oh, ribs. What are your, if you don't go to a park, what do you think are your plans for the rest of the day? Um, I believe we're going to set up for, um, for Valentine's. Oh, very fun. Okay. And how do you feel about Valentine's? Is it is it is this an appropriate holiday? Uh no. I see. I see. Do you like when your parents celebrate Valentine's Day? Yes. 
All right. And do you have a girlfriend? No. All right. Well, that's good because you're not old enough to have a girlfriend. But I was just curious. Just curious. Just curious. All right, Trey, you have any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with us before you leave? Um, yep. Um, it's... Um, Valentine's Day is for love from the love of God. Very good. Thank you, Trey. I appreciate you being here today. See you later. And to those of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. It has been a great, great day. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Let me remind you real quick before we go. Let me tell you about our good friends over at Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. They're one of our sponsors here at KVXL. They offer all types of insurance, including but not limited to auto, home, and life insurance. If you have something that can or should be insured, they can help you out. And if you mention KVXL when calling Mario Giannini State Farm for a no-obligation insurance quote, they're going to donate $10 to Experience Liberty Radio. You can reach Mario's team at 702-982-3300, and we'd like to thank them for their faithful support of our weekly programming. Hey, be sure to join us on Wednesday night, 7 p.m. That's the next time we'll be having church. We're located at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard, and you and your family should be here. We would love to have you. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you back here tomorrow, same time, same place, on KBXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio.